Welcome to the recap show. How about dem dolphins? Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Welcome back, gentlemen. Hello! Aha! Strong, strong, JB. Your your best in a while. In fact, I would I would say for your immediate introduction. Um, right, I am going to start this episode with a little bit of an apology. Um, the best part of a week ago, when we were recording podcasts, I was saying, you know what, there's interesting games in week three, but what there isn't is one of those real heavyweight clashes. You know, it might be an interesting week. I'm not sure it's looking a stellar week. How foolish can one man be after week three of the 2023 NFL season? I mean, wow. For me, at least, took the roof off. It had everything. It had storylines, intrigue, shocks and surprises, brilliant plays aplenty. I would put it right up there in one of the, I don't know, probably one of the best weeks that we've enjoyed since this podcasting adventure begun. Um, but gentlemen, that's just the thoughts of one mere mortal man. Um, before we get into this, why don't you throw me your takeaways for week three? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought it was pretty quiet. It all went to script. There was no kind of upset or intrigue. Um, well, um, yeah, records are plenty almost. Um, almost. Also, I do... I do, I do feel like a warm sense of vindication when you all mocked me for saying that the Dallas Cowboys aren't all that, and then they get almost hammered by the Arizona Cardinals. That gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling when I was watching the NFL games. I think obviously you're going to downplay hammered. it. <laughs> almost on Sunday, I said to Rob on Sunday, the cow, the Cowboys are going to lose. He's going to bring this up immediately. It's oh, going to be 100%. I've been talking, I've been thinking about it all day. Um, no, so I enjoyed that. I mean, I think, well, I mean, I, I'm also going to point out a, a fact where I was wrong. And I talked about, you know, the Ravens being the, the great team and, and a big threat. And actually my, even though we've been pretty effusive in our praise, boy, have we downplayed the Miami Dolphins in how, exceptional they could be this year um that was a heck of a performance one heck of a performance from them yeah yeah and not a great time to be a denver broncos fan but i think you know in recent living memory they've had the highs at least but yeah i thought with sean payton that would be a much um steadier ship uh, that appears not to be the case. I mean, even players like Pat Satan, who I was not only really big on coming out of college, but I think has done pretty good stuff. I mean, I, I think he's not quite Source Gardener, but very few are. I, I thought they had a few interesting pieces. Um, they clearly don't have anything like enough, do they, in Denver? So, yeah, some real standout moments. JB, what stands out for you from week three? Um, I think it was a little conversation we had 
uh, a week or two before the season started when we were talking about who the worst team in the NFL was. And the argument was basically, is it the Texans or is it the Cardinals? And in all honesty, it's neither of those two teams currently. Um, we, I, we talk, I remember I you throwing the Titans into that conversation and they're not great, but it's not them either, is it? I, uh, no, there are there are four teams who are absolutely in the conversation for the worst. I think two of them we should have expected. One of them you can understand. And then there's the Broncos who are just a little bit... Mm. Okay. Um but no, what I, I I think if we're singling out performance of the week, obviously it's hard oh, to look oh, past oh, 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 not not quite yet. Not quite oh, yet. Oh sorry, sorry, sorry. So we'll come to that later then. A whole tease that's a teaser. That's what they yeah. call in the business, a teaser. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, I was about to say what I was gonna say, so well, well, let's round out what you were just saying and put everyone out of their misery. The worst team in the NFL is is the Chicago Bears, right? Yes. Uh, yes, one hundred percent. There you go. So, so before we leave them just hanging on, the worst team in the NFL is the Chicago Bears, um, and it's a pity because they really shouldn't be with what's going. Uh, yeah, so many things to get into. So we will get into performance of the week, JB. But before we do, there are two pieces of business that I have to roll us through. Um, I am going to do the score recap, but I'm going to give you a little extra time with the toughest quiz question in podcasting before I do. So I'm going to slightly mix up the order here and go all noodle, no Google, or the other way around as we normally practice it. But yeah, your quiz question this week is as follows. In the 100 plus years of NFL football, I want to know to the nearest thousand, how many people have played in at least one NFL game? So to the nearest thousand, how many people have played in at least one NFL game? Now it is pretty close to around thousand, so you don't have to don't have to worry too much about the hundreds and whatever that sit in between. So to the nearest thousand, how many individuals have played in at least one NFL game? I was astounded by this, but you guys might think much higher, much lower, very differently to me. But that is your Chris question, right? So are, we, are, we, are, we, are we counting preseason games in that? No, NFL contests. So okay. league contests. Proper they NFL played games. in yeah. proper okay. NFL games. Yeah, to the nearest thousand. So anyway, that is, um, I mean, a very difficult question, but one of the simpler questions I've asked in recent weeks. So with that like, in mind, oh, go on. I feel like with that, you know, the scene in 22... 21 jump street where writing on the whiteboard just loads of numbers trying to figure it out i feel like that's where I'm, my head's going to be at and then it'll come out with just like seven yeah, just just join all your guesses <laughs> the same number like a, written a, all over again yeah a piece that's of where string. I, I feel like i, I like that up, but... I, I like the fact that when you're creating that mental image 21 jump street is your reference point as well i mean there are quite a few oh, ways yeah, you could have gone with that but well no because in my head i'm going to write loads of numbers on a piece of paper and try and do the maths and then it's just going to be absolute garbage and it'll be ultimately just be a crazy guess so that's kind of why my head went there because i'll write lots of things down that if you looked at the page might make some semblance of sense and then the actual number at the end will just be garbage i i was also about to make a number of references from those scenes in 21 jump street and then every single one i thought of i thought yep i can't say that on a podcast um but yeah if you're of a suitable age 
um, go and check out 21 Jump Street. Treat yourself. I think it'd make a good double bill with Hot Tub Time Machine. I think we haven't revisited those films as friends in far too long. But but anyway, um, the detour is over. So you've got your quiz question. Let me now roll you through the spectacular results that were week three of 18 in the 2023 season of the NFL. So again, we've got to go back a long way to one of the games that had a more straightforward feel about it. Thursday night football last week saw the rolling 49ers have no trouble at all against the faltering New York Giants. It ended up 30 points to 12 there. And then that's where things get fruity. The Falcons had moments, but let's be honest, not many. The offense I talked up last week stuttered, and Jared Goff, with a rushing touchdown to his name no less this week, led the Lions to a 20-6 victory. The Vikings and Chargers was odd, because despite the fact one team did end up winning the game, it was pretty much otherwise to script. Great things on offense, crazy things on defense, but it is Los Angeles who came out with the win 28-24. The Packers against the Saints looked like a really dreadful performance, for Jordan Love and the Packers, well, until it didn't. A phenomenal fourth quarter comeback sees Green Bay edge it by a point, 18 to 17. And then do you remember those Jags that we said had finally got over the hump and were going to be far more consistent this year? Well, the Houston Texans are a pretty good measure of how consistent a football team you are and they got ahead and never looked back a 37 to 17 victory continues actually the texans hoodoo over the jags in recent years then the game we're going to talk about plenty the broncos putting up 20 points might be seen as some kind of improvement Conceding 70 to the Miami Dolphins was probably not part of Sean Payton's script. Record-breaking in a number of ways, but not quite challenging the top point score for a team. Maybe it could have been if it wouldn't have been the second string rolling out in the second half. The Browns didn't look spectacular, but the Titans looked as bad as they have all season. The Browns winning 27 points to three to maybe give us a sense they could offer something more than being an also-ran this season. And the Commanders, well, no shame in losing to Buffalo, but maybe the shame is that they only put up three points and it looked like it looked like a shutout for a while. But Josh Allen, vintage form, 37 points, shows that week one simply was just a blip for Buffalo. The Ravens, well, they never got out of first gear. And if it was a game they were winning and controlling, you could understand that. But it ended up being a rather embarrassing 22 to 19 point loss against the Indianapolis Colts. And if we talked about hoodoos with the Texans over the Jags, another is the longest streak in the NFL, which is Patriots victories over the Jets. It was another one on Sunday with New England scoring 15 points to New York's measly 10. Seahawks and Panthers, great game and a great performance from Seattle yet again. I think they could just about be in the mix and winning 37 to 27 does nothing to dampen my enthusiasm. The aforementioned worst team in the NFL, the Chicago Bears, well, offered nothing. I have vague memories of where their 10 points came from, but certainly the 41 points for the Chiefs were to the delight of Andy Reid and, of course, the watching Taylor Swift. Um, the Cowboys were rolling. The Cardinals had other ideas nudging ahead early and never looking back. Arizona winning 28-16 in one of the big upsets of the week. And then the Steelers, well, after a week one, there was probably a week to forget. They seem to have steadied themselves and now at least are able to beat those middling teams around them. 23-18 over the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Bucks, well, they've looked good this season, but the Eagles look a lot better. 25-11 ends up being the winning score to Philadelphia. And the Bengals, great news for them. A, 
won a game. B, did it against a team that I still think are very, very worthy opponents. Not particularly high scoring, but, you know, a nudge in the right direction for Cincy, 19-16, the final score over the LA Rams. So there is your week roundup. And normally at this point, I would go, guys, where do you want to take me in the NFL? Talk to me about the big performances and the things that stood out. Aldrin, I'd normally come to you. But this week, JB, you were out of the traps. You were ready to go before we'd even got up and running. So I'm going to come to you this week as you sat on my sofa and enjoyed the week with me. Um, the highlight as you saw it, please. There are... Going first is awkward because there are a lot of things I want to talk about, but I don't want to tread on anybody's toes. So I think I will circle back to kind of the conversation that we we started this podcast with of who was the worst team in the NFL. And I like I have been on this Jags train since the start. I, you know, I pitched Trevor Lawrence as my MVP. I thought the Jags were, were guaranteed to get to the playoffs. And I really saw this week as the absolute optimal get right game for the Jags. And it's not that the Texans dominated it or anything, but it really, really felt every time we watched it, like the Texans were in complete control of that game from the very beginning. And there was no doubt what was going to happen and who was going to win. And the nice thing about it, and I said this when we watched clips of the Cardinals game towards the end as well, was you could see the Texans players on the sideline, on the field, big smiles on their faces. They were happy. They were enjoying what they were doing. And it is that kind of momentum and that kind of, that kind of energy in a team is very, very hard to track down when you're a bad team. And when you've got it, it is incredible. It can be like a cure for all, all your ills. Um, So yeah, I'm going to record breaking seat, like achievements aside for the week, I'm going to give it to the Texans for just absolutely playing out of their skins, an unbelievable performance. I love that you went first, but incorrect. I, I don't want to, well, you know me, I never like going for the obvious. That's why I like I going. I mean, you got to. It's the one major, most important talking point from that week, surely. But, but the thing is, you're going to talk about that. And if you talk about that, what am I going to talk? You've always got to be thinking about the, the conversation. This isn't the best British NFL podcast for no reason. What? Why are we limiting limiting this to being British? Find me a better one around the world, everybody in Listenerland. This is we don't we don't just throw around phrases like gold standard, JB. We live, we set ourselves these standards, and and you know I'm happy to continue the chat on the Texans. Um, CJ Stroud, twenty of thirty, two hundred eighty yards, two TDs. Um, I mean, supported by still not pretty he's, able he's running still not game. Thrown an interception, has he? Yeah, I mean, he, he looks, it, it's one of these weird things that, I mean, he did look a, a little more spectacular on Sunday and he did have a few longer throws and bigger throws. I mean, a couple of really beautiful rainbows. But the thing about it was that once the Texans were ahead and then once you had the errors from Trevor Lawrence, who obviously did throw that pick and there were a couple of other big mistakes holding on to the ball too long, defensive pressures on him and so on and so forth. You saw that actually already, CJ Stroud is, I don't know, half a click ahead of, say, a, a Ridder in Atlanta. You know, he's serviceable now with these flashes that there is a much greater upside along the way. Um, I mean, Dell had a great game, 145 yards in a TD. I mean, there were just so many upticks, really. I mean, Damian Pierce getting in the end zone. I mean, 
like I say, the, the great thing about the Texans win was that they didn't get ahead and look nervous. They just kept scoring. They just kept forcing errors when it came to certainly um, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. There were lots of errors, you felt like. And um, yeah, I loved the Texans because it was a confident, assured, dominant victory, wasn't it? Which from a team that haven't won much at all in recent years, let alone this season, um, I think that's exactly what you want. You talk about a win to build on and something to use as a foundation for a new coaching staff what a performance to put together. I'm with you, JB. I thought it was a super game. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I did talk a bit of smack to JB there, but I mean, he's not far wrong. It was, if it hadn't been overshadowed by such a monumental game, I do think you would be calling that out because even the Jag, even though the Jags haven't been, you know, really firing and on form this year, they're still a good team. Um, or they still have that potential to be a good team. And yeah, it did kind of look like CJ Stroud was the more experienced quarterback and Trevor Lawrence was the, you know, the rookie making silly rookie mistakes. Um, I did think coming out of college that CJ Stroud, I mean, I think probably said it in the offseason, I felt like he was the best quarterback in the draft. Like if you wanted somebody to jump in and play right away, I did feel like he would be the more prototypical person over Bryce Young. Um, but he's just clean and effective. And do you know what? That's It's a step up on what they had previously with Davis Mills. Is that the guy? I've yeah. almost forgotten him. Um, yeah. But, you know, like even like when he played for the Texans, he was relatively efficient. You know, he just wasn't anything flashy. He didn't really move the ball at all. Whereas Stroud has that capability to move the ball, but also he's being really clean and efficient. You know, he's safe with the balls, not making silly mistakes. And then, you know, it, you saw it at the weekend. He's kind of growing into the year. It kind of feels like he's pushing his throws a bit more. He's building that connection with some of those receivers. Because don't forget, like I, I kind of said it last week, and I'll say it again. He's not throwing to good people. You, you know, even Davis Mills had Brandon Cooks. You know, mm. there's no real star athlete wide receiver one in that kind of room so they're all kind of growing into it together um but yeah i do think the texans look a lot better than advertised um but it's the texans they've kind of got to see if they can maintain it and continue it and keep growing because they do have a nasty habit of imploding imploding sometimes but Mm. yeah it was a really neat performance all around really every phase i thought was clean and good I mean, the two big shocks, which I think are proper, I mean, you know, we've obviously got the shock that, you know, an awful lot of points were put on certain teams. But in terms of the shock wins, I suppose, from week three, the Cardinals and Texans games do follow a similar blueprint in that they got ahead and then were able to keep a relatively good balance of run and pass. And I think that was probably important for both teams because although Josh Dobbs certainly isn't, you know, a rookie... I think to put the game on his shoulders is a bit much like it probably would be for CJ Stroud. But but the great thing is both of them, both teams stayed aggressive. And yeah, I like the Texans. I mean, I think the Texans falling a score, two scores behind is still a very different team because like you, Seldrin, they don't have the kind of quick strike ability and the ability to put up points quickly and get back into a game, at least from what I've seen yet. But if they have games this season where they can follow that kind of script, love it. 
Yeah, I love it, JB. I think yours is um, is a very good pick. And Aldrin, I mean, you're itching to talk about it. So let me throw over to you. Performance of the week, please, as if there is any doubt. Yeah, I mean, it is the Miami Dolphins. Let's Let's not be under any illusion that they were absolutely monstrous i just that there's it boggles my mind to think that they were that good that dominant and they didn't even have jalen waddle on the field um i really enjoyed jb's comment basically at the start of the sunday night games when we got to when when jb's commentary was yeah the Denver Broncos have taken a bold approach and instead of double covering Tyreek Hill, I've decided to go with nobody to cover Tyreek Hill. And I think the really sad thing was that it feels like JB should have messaged that to Sean Payton because it's almost like they didn't learn for the rest of the game. They went, yeah, that's fine. We'll just keep it that way. I mean, Tyreek Hill was Tyreek Hill. I mean, I, I know... I can't talk highly enough of the guy and it's not like he hasn't impressed us over the years, but I mean, he, he's one of those players that because he's so quick and he's got that kind of fast snap twitch, you always worry about that. Oh, you know, he's going to lose a step as he gets older, he's going to get injured and this, that, and the other. And every year he just looks absolutely imperious, never loses a touch of pace he is absolute lightning, especially with the ball in his hands. It's not even that he's just shifty, but he's still he's difficult to bring down. You know, I think even on that play, they did make a tackle on him and he just rides it out and keeps going. So I just think he is phenomenal. And the stuff that they're doing with running backs that aren't elite is just incredible. And I mean, I know, you know, Mike Daniels is coming from the kind of Shanahan school of thought and learnings, but the way they use their running backs is really neat, really clever. And I think the fact that both Moster and A-Chain had four touchdowns each, right? I think both had, well, yeah, four each. A-Chain had two rushing, two receiving. Moster had three rushing and one receiving. So, I mean... They were monstrous, but they're just so effective. You know, it wasn't just that they were rushing in touchdowns from the one-yard line. You know, even late in the game, there was that that moment where the Denver Broncos had that great um, that return, you know, and you thought, oh, that's a nice, you know, it's a good little morale booster. They might go on and get a few more points. And then immediately, the Dolphins get to about the 40 in a couple of plays and then A-Chain just runs away from everybody. And it was just, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And I think it was really, it was funny when, you know, we've probably all seen, but reporters asked Mike Daniels about, oh, did you not want to, you know, kick that field? They had they had the ball on like the, the Broncos 40, didn't they? And they could have kicked a field goal and took, taken it to 73 points. And he said, yeah, we're not that, sort of team we let them run out the clock basically and gave them the ball back and you know took a knee didn't they and i just thought really classy but even still they just absolutely obliterated them and then he was like when they got to 70 points oh this is probably a bit much now but i don't even think that getting to 70 points was really any fault of their own 
you know, by that point they brought in, who was it? Mike White was quarterback for most of the yeah. second half. They yeah. kind of rested all their starters and they just left a chain out as, you know, the rookie running back. So it wasn't even really by design or by their, their efforts. They were just so dominant, whoever was in that team. And ultimately, I mean, you can talk and sing the praises of the Miami Dolphins. The Denver Broncos were as bad as the Dolphins were good. You know, there's, it takes two to tango and yeah, we've seen the dolphins have been really good this year. Like they can put up 30, 40 points, no problem, but to let it get to 70 is just, I mean, it's an embarrassment. And the fact yeah. that there's, they brought in two people in the last, what, three or four years that they've given up bounties of picks for in Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. And I'm sorry, but they're just both not looking like they they're reaping any rewards, let alone the rewards that they were expecting in terms of kind of a Super Bowl run. I think they're a million miles away from that. Yeah, it it was an embarrassment. I mean, the Broncos, I think the only kind of real positive I saw from Sundays that Cortland Sutton looks fit, and I don't think he's looked fit and injury-free in a while, and he looked useful. Yeah. He He looked like he could yet, you know, be a wide receiver one in Denver. Everything else, though, goodness me. Um, I mean, to give you the stat line, so A-Chain, on 18 carries, I mean, it's not like this guy had one or two carries, averaged 11.3 yards per carry. Even when you get down to third string and they were running Brooks, nine carries, 66 yards, 7.3. I mean, at what point are the Broncos going to tighten up? But but the whole thing you mentioned about Tyree Kill, and this wasn't a really major play, and it was quite early on in the game. I was sat with JB, and there was a a short kind of outside run that where the ball was thrown to Tyree Kill, and he kind of ran outside the the tackles and ran out of bounds. Not really much to it as a play at all. And I said to JB, that guy is just a cheat code because to anybody else, that's a three yard gain. But Hill's speed and how quickly he can get out there makes it a five, six, seven yard gain. And I mean, at yeah. that point, the game hadn't got out of hand, but it was already obvious, you know, that they were going to be very creative. Now, look, there is a, a there is still and I mean, you know, you, you were ridiculed for doing this with the Cowboys last week and I'm going to do it here. There's still a but for me with the Dolphins. They didn't put up 70 points in week three last season, but they started like they'd been shot out of a cannon last year. In fact, Tua's um, seasonal stats last year versus this year through three weeks are nigh on identical. He needs to stay healthy. A number of their playmakers need to stay healthy because as much as the second string came in and absolutely did a great job, and I think HN is somebody we'll see a lot of this year. There's a couple of their receivers that I think we'll see a lot of this year, but they do need to stay healthy because without Waddle is one thing. I do think without Hill, for instance, is a different, yeah. different kind. Uh, yeah. But... I mean, cry. I mean, this is a huge compliment for me because I'm thinking they are Super Bowl contenders if they stay healthy. And there's not many teams I would um, I would give that accolade to in week three. Dolphins, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Eagles. I mean, there's probably a handful at most. Um, but yeah, dominant like I have not seen in such a long time. For me, I think the the key to all of it wasn't just the incredible output they put on offense. It was the fact that it was a dominant performance on both sides of it. Like yeah, we have true. seen uh, high scoring games before. Like I think the one everybody always goes to is that Chiefs 
Rams game in Mexico where it was mm. like 55-52 or something like that. This wasn't a comparable game. The Dolphins was it? The Dolphins got 70 and the Broncos got like 20. It yeah. was like fractional in terms of what they did. And you could see like on both sides of the ball for the Broncos by the second half, they were broken. They were done. They were part of the reason the score carried on was because I think there were members of those Broncos of that Broncos team that just stopped trying. They they gave up on everything they were doing. And how embarrassing is that for a coach of Sean Payton, a guy who prides himself on being like the standard and setting that standard and expectation for everybody to look at basically, well, I, I, you know, like you said, Rob, like I have come here with all of this trade and all of this hype and look what I've produced. I've produced an 0-3 football team that still can't get anything out of Russell Wilson that has just gone down in one of the like worst losses in nfl history like Mm. full credit to the dolphins for absolutely everything they do there's like there always is like from from almost the get-go there was the talk on social media of oh well did they do the right thing were they running up the score but i was like yes absolutely they did the right thing the 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 point is you score points until if 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 the opposition wants you to stop scoring points their job is to do just that if the Broncos don't like the fact that they've got 70 points put up on them, you know what they could have done? They could have done something about it, and they didn't. They gave up on that team. You're 100% right about they needed to play better because what are the Dolphins meant to do? I mean, they went in well up at halftime, obviously. They came out early in the second half, put up points almost immediately, and then put in their second string. I mean, what are they meant to do just after halftime, putting in second string players in key positions? I mean, yeah. I, I've never seen anything like it. But there's the people, people, some people argue, oh, well, they should have just taken a knee for a couple of series. Why? The, the I don't is, think it's their should. responsibility, is it? No. Like, I also think, not. I mean, I also think losing by, you know, losing, say the Dolphins put up 50 points and in the fourth quarter just took the knee three times and punted. I mean, how much of an embarrassment is that if that's what your opposition is doing? In what is... I mean, remember, this is the high point for this sport. I mean, there are other leagues that play American football in a variety of countries, including other leagues in America. But this is the pinnacle. These are meant to be the best 32 teams on earth, and I'm sure they are. And to see a gap like that between two professional teams. And I mean, it's not like, you know, the the Dolphin, uh, sorry, the Broncos are a Texans. They're not a rebuilding team. Yeah, new head coach. But this is a guy who knows his way around football in Sean Payton. Yeah, With a I, Super Bowl I, winning quarterback. Well, exactly. Yeah, the, Super Bowl winning quarterback, that, Super Bowl winning head coach. I mean, what the thing that just boggled my mind is that to to both of your guys' points, the Broncos didn't win the second half. No, you know, I at least expect them when when the Dolphins roll out the second stringers, and boy, did they! Like it was pretty much every position was go and have a rest, boys, and then all of the the wannabes and people trying to hold down a roster spot came in. You know, I expect the Broncos to then go and at least put a couple of touchdowns on. They didn't score a touchdown. The, the touchdown they scored was a punt return. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they went and dominated a, a second string Dolphins defense and at least put two or three touchdowns on the board to get it to like 27, 28 or over 30. You know, they just, 
continued to get battered. So like I said, they scored that punt return and you thought, oh, great, maybe they'll get some momentum. And then the Dolphins just literally walked down the field and scored another touchdown. And then that was all she wrote. Like the Broncos didn't even put anything on. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair enough for the Dolphins. They brought out the second string and they, they played conservatively. You know, it's not like they got Mike White to just keep throwing Hail Marys like you might do on Madden. You know, they just did like little inside runs to weight chain. And to JB's point, the, the Broncos players just fell down and let him wander in 60 yards. Nobody really made a concerted effort. So, I mean, I think it's a lot on them. And a lot of that is, you know, hate to say, but a lot of that's coaching, you know, just to not give up on plays is silly. Well, no, I was just saying more than 10 yards of carry from A-Chain when largely he was used more and more as the game went on. I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, Mike White came in, but only only a couple of attempted throws. You know, the fact that it was so obvious the Dolphins were going to keep running the ball. Yeah, yeah it just makes no sense. It just makes no sense what you saw out of Denver. And it makes Denver must watch this weekend. I mean, because... You know, it's the kind of thing where if they don't follow that up with any kind of good performance, I'm not saying Sean Payton goes. They've kind of mortgaged the house on Payton and Wilson, as you said earlier. But I think coordinators or, you know, somebody's head has to go, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about those kind of defeats. Um, but yeah, I'll be quick then. So I'll move us on to one last conversation and I am going to go for my beloved Cardinals. I don't think I'm going to get the chance to do this an awful lot this season. So... Um, if you get a chance to be self-indulgent, you go for it, right? I thought Arizona were brilliant on Sunday. I thought the um, interception by White towards the end, to obviously, I mean, to all intents and purposes, kill off the game, you know, with that that pick in the end zone. You know, the Cardinals haven't had those plays. I mean, probably not for a while. I mean, certainly that was their first turn- turnover this season. But I just thought the fact that in big moments, they made big plays. There was the the... The great play in the second half, I mean, it was a busted coverage, but that long pass play, I just love the fact that they didn't take the foot off the gas, having lost leads late in the previous two games. You know, it was great to see them have the confidence and the belief. And actually, James Connor, I mean, he's not going to get many plaudits being on ultimately a below average football team, right? But that guy runs brilliantly. You know, that that great phrase around be your own blocker, he epitomizes that. He moves people out the way. He runs fast. He runs strong. I mean, he is not going to be in the conversation when people talk about the best five running backs in the league. But I tell you what, as a Cardinals fan, I am delighted that, that Connor lines up in our backfield. I think he is a player with real, real star quality. Um. So, yeah, the Cardinals' performance I love for all those sentimental reasons. First career win for for Josh Dobbs, which I think is, I mean, a number of things. Firstly, he's not been put in great situations to win before, but equally, the guy isn't Joe Montana, right? But he's very likable, very team-focused, says the right things, actually has more about him than I expected. I mean, when we first went out and traded for him, I was horrified, but... I certainly think that, look, the Cardinals go up against the 49ers this week. I think that's probably a bigger task than playing against the Cowboys. I don't expect them to end the season anything like 500. 
But I think if there are performances like this, particularly when you think that there was no Buddha Baker, there was injuries to key players on defense through the game, including um, Collins and, and, you know, captains in that defense. I just thought that beyond the victory, there were positive signs. And and one of the guys in the, the Cardinals forum, when we're all chatting away on Sunday night, said, you know what, off the back of this performance, we can look back and go, actually, a couple of plays go our way in the previous two weeks. We could be 3-0. and Now, look, it's a bit far-fetched. And JB's about to do his Bill Parcells, you know, your record is your record. And he's right. You know, we made stupid plays, which is why we're 0-2. But there is a point there for... All of the bookmakers who had the Cardinals as the worst team in the NFL, that's three weeks where they've been competitive. And we've just talked about the Denver Broncos. We've talked about the likes of the Chicago Bears and a number of other teams, the Panthers, who I don't think have achieved that through three weeks. So, you know what? Uh, Who knows? Maybe there will be other highlights. But for me, I just thought the Cardinals were great. And if I'm not going to get the chance to enjoy many of these victory Sundays, I'm going to make the most of them when I do. I think I think one of my favourite parts of the weekend, not as a specific highlight of the game or a performance or anything like that, was just getting to sit and enjoy the first Cardinals win of the season sort of with with you. And it was nice to see the progression of the Cardinals season because like week one, they showed flashes. Week two, they were very good in the first half and fell away in the second half. Week three, they were very good in the first half. It looked like it was going to fall off again, except this time they continued to make adjustments and they carried on to still continue to put points up and ultimately won the game because of that. And it's like, I I opened this by talking about the Texans win. The Texans have looked decent, but that win... I wouldn't say that looked like it was building up. We could see it coming. That was just literally, oh, that's come out of nowhere. The Cardinals win was nice because you can see a progression of the team working together, learning all of their roles. You can see Josh Dobbs getting more comfortable with the team now. Um, I, I can't remember how many times they mentioned it in the in the Cardinals opening game, but you know he was in the huddle with guys whose names he didn't know. Yeah, You can see how they've improved and that, ultimately is what any of us want to see with our our teams as the season goes on um i'll also i'm just going to take a bit so i'm saying personally i i love the colts game i love the colts game it was so much fun it was beautiful but i don't want to talk about it so much because obviously people will accuse me of having some kind of bias as to the reason that i liked it but accuse accuse you of yeah you're just yeah. an Aldrin fan. I appreciate it, JB. You yeah. just want the Colts to do well. I, I like it. There's Minshew Mania. What I'm not sure people not are like? accusing you of it. They're just noticing it. I will flat out come and say that was that absolutely should have been flagged. <laughs> that that should have been oh, a passing flag on the defence like, any day I, of the week. I disagree. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Great but, field goal. But Loved then, it. At, Perfect. At late the same goal. time. We're talking about a week we saw that um that Amari Cooper catch, wasn't it? Where the the, the sideline official was stood right in front of him. Like Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles could see he hadn't stepped out of bounds. Slightly. And offensive. yet the referee still blew his whistle to say, Oh, you've stepped out of bounds. It's like he quite clearly hadn't. So I if if we're talking about like negatives for the weekend, not a good weekend for the officials. Again. Yeah, I would agree. Stevie Wonder, though, good plug for him on the show. Um, so yeah, well done. He re- um, he relies on that kind of press, I hear nowadays. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> he's desperate. He's he's desperate for us to push his old songs. Yeah. Um, um, 
no, I would agree. I thought the Colts game was, do you know what? The Colts game was really good, uh, not just because we won, but because I think we just played very sensible football, you know, and I, I think we played what the Ravens gave us. You know, mm-hmm. we we took those kind of short throws and we ran the ball well and we hassled them and hurried them and didn't let them play their sort of game. So I just thought that was a a really good thing. And to be honest, that that's one of the things I would call out about the Cardinals as well. I think that's what they did really well. Yeah. They took what the Cowboys gave them. If they, you know, I know they rode Connor a lot. And I, I think the one thing that I thought from that game and I've kind of seen it over the last few weeks with the Cardinals, but it became more clear to me. It was like a while ago, you know, when when they picked up Dobbs and you yeah. thought, why are they doing that? He's not the same as Kyler Murray. It's so different and he's only going to be here for four games. Like, why bother? Just, you know, give your rookies a chance. But actually, Dobbs has been a lot more mobile than I remember seeing him, you know, when he's played before or when he's been in and around teams. Mm. He looks a lot more mobile. You know, he's he's capable of making those runs when that's what the defense gives him. You know, he he can just take off and get 10, 12 yards. And he's not, you know, he's not, not a slouch. The guy's relatively quick. So I, Mm. I I did think, Oh, actually that kind of matches with, I mean, let's not get it wrong. I don't think there's a, a more athletic player than um, Kyler really on the ground when he runs. I think he's exceptional. But I thought he's, you know, Dobbs is a really good stand-in for that. And it's not limited the sorts of plays that they can run. You know, he's not just sat back in the pocket. He has been able to take off and and move the chains when he needs to. So I was impressed with that as well, actually. I mean, with Monty for at GM, I think the Cardinals have one of the best general managers in the league. And one of the things that's been really nice is to see what a different... I don't know what a different feel he's given the organization. I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I, I was quite a big fan of Steve Kime. I mean, he, he, you know, did very well, particularly when he was paired um, with Bruce Arians. And, and I mean, bought in a lot of good players, was a good kind of trading kind of GM, managed to get those, you know, high quality veterans at the tail end of their career who really made a difference in Cardinal Red at times. But the thing that always stuck with me was when players would leave and Patrick Peterson mentioned this, um, a number of players over the years have mentioned that, you know, they would leave the team and they wouldn't get so much as a phone call from Steve Kine, you know, to tell them they were being traded or not being offered. Josh Rosen was probably the one, you know, he said he remembers the phone call when he was drafted with Steve Kine. And then when he was traded away, there was no phone call. There was no nothing. And then you watch Monty, Olsen fought on the pit. And when they won, he's out there shaking hands with every player. He he really is uh, such a cultural shift. And, you know, it was interesting. White's interview afterwards, you know, they were talking to him about the interception and what it meant to, to pick off Dak Prescott. He said, of course, it means a lot. You know, people have put faith in me, bringing me here, you know, and putting me on the field and you want to repay that. And it just screams to this different type of culture that the Cardinals are trying to instill. At one and two, I never imagined I would be this positive. But um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think they've made a lot of very good moves. Let's hope that the investigation into things that went on in previous eras don't end up with us losing draft picks and being heavily penalised because I think Monty Ossenfort will get it right with the right kind of collateral. 
Um, Kyler Murray is another interesting question. His future, I think, is probably a little more up in the air than people might imagine. But uh, but anyway, that's for another pod. Um, right, the recap for week three was glorious, um, helped in no small part by the fact the football that we all got to watch was utterly glorious. But for the exclamation point on what's been a wonderful podcast, you know where I'm going. Um, no Google, all noodle. Got it the right way around this time. Um, after a year of being a feature for us, you'd imagine it wouldn't be that much hard work for me. But I asked you guys, in oh, 100-odd years of NFL football, how many different players have played in an NFL game? Right, so I'm going to do something before I get your actual answers. The smallest stadium in the NFL, this could be a whole other question for a whole other week. Anyone know it off the top of their head? Soldier Field, right? Chicago Bears, Soldier Field, capacity about 60,000, right? So do you think the number of people to ever have played a game in the NFL would fit in Soldier Field? So that's my first question before I come to your actual answer. So higher or lower than 60,000? Yeah. Higher. I went you, lower. Okay, so one of you is higher than 60,000, one of you is lower. So now I'm going to come to you for an answer. So JB, how many different individuals do you think have appeared in NFL games in 100 odd years of NFL history? Uh, I would like to submit 69,000. Nice. Great number. Um, Aldrin, you went less than 60,000. What are you going so for? I, I, I've written down that I wrote numbers down from 95,000 to 27,000 and then realized when I wrote 27,000, all I did was times 32 teams by 53 by 16 games and then went ta da. <laughs> and then I thought, and then I was like, what are you doing? So I ended up plumping somewhere in the middle. So I went 50,000. Right. I would say to you, Aldrin, two things. Your mathematical approach had you on the right lines. And you also have to remember that in the history of the NFL, there weren't always this many teams. No, I know. That's why I was like, I averaged so, it out and I was like, that's Your 27,000 is 1,000 away. <laughs> the correct answer is in the history really? of the NFL, 26,000 people have played at least one snap in a competitive NFL Jeez. game. So the reason I mentioned Soldier Field is you could fit them in Soldier Field two and a bit times. They wouldn't even fill a stadium if you gathered every single player to ever have played in the NFL. I mean, obviously, some sadly are no longer with us, but if, if you, you did that all together, wouldn't even half fill Soldier Field. If you did that and put them all on the Bears team, they still wouldn't win, I don't think. So No. No, how do you solve a problem like the Chicago Bears feels like a special edition mid-season pod that we'll be rolling back round to. Um, but there you go, gents. I was astounded by that. I was like you, JB. I was thinking it must be like, you know, 90,000, 100,000. You know, and then when you thought even the smallest NFL stadium, you don't even half fill it with the number of people who've played. That absolutely blew my mind. So uh, there you go. Another good quiz question. Another gold standard Excellent. piece of, yeah, piece of podcasting um, thank you for helping me put week three in the books gents we'll be back in what 48 hours time getting all excited and tingly about week four sure thing just just roll with it oh. you're, the, you're the one making it awkward not me right thanks gents see you in a couple of days and we'll do this again cheers Rob thanks a lot
Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. The game is over!